Hi, everyone. I'm George Davis, and I want to also welcome you to this uh, online service of the Hershey Free Church. As I get started, I just wanted to show you the pictures of the most recent group of individuals and couples that have gone through our membership process. This is a great way to learn more about what it means to be a part of our church and to get involved in in a really formal way. So uh, we want to celebrate with these individuals and thank them for going through the process. And also, at some point, this may be a next step for you and if you're as you're getting to know Hershey Free or you haven't yet taken that step of officially joining the church and uh, let me just let you know that we will have our next membership class early in 2022 and we'll uh, be sure to let you know in plenty of time so that you can be a part of that. Now, this morning, we're continuing our journey through the Ten Commandments. And if you're new, uh, as we've been looking at these commandments, we've recognized that for us as as followers of Christ, for those of us who know Christ, these commandments really function as guidelines and guardrails. That is, they, they help us, first of all, understand uh, what the path of following Jesus looks like. What does this look like in practical ways? They, they really do provide certain guidelines for us in living out our commitment to Jesus Christ. Furthermore, they, they provide guardrails. They help warn us about dangers that we can encounter if we choose to leave the path. So with that in mind, we're going to continue through the Ten Commandments, and we're now coming to the Ninth Commandment. And remember, as we're moving through the commandments, we're in that part of the Ten Commandments that really deals with loving our neighbor, with how we engage other people, with how we relate to one another well. And as we do that, we come to this commandment, uh, which says, the Ninth Commandment, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Often that's kind of translated as bear false witness. Now, as you, as you read these words, as you hear these words, uh, let me ask, what comes to your mind? What's the first thought that comes to your mind? Uh, your first thought may be, well, it's telling us not to lie, right? It's, it's about the importance of telling the truth. And I think we all, we all understand the value of telling the truth, right? Even, even culturally, I think there's a sense in which in, in our culture, we, uh, we have woven into our history the recognition of the importance of truth-telling. For instance, think about the legend associated with George Washington, right? About chopping down the cherry tree. Then he's, when he's confronted, he says, I cannot tell a lie. So maybe for you, the first thought kind of goes along these lines. As you read this commandment, this commandment is against lying. Now, it's true that the Bible has much to say about the importance of telling the truth, much to tell us in terms of warning us against lying. But to really understand this commandment, we need to understand the primary context, I think, in which it was intended, it was intended to function. And really, the primary context for this commandment was what we might consider to be a courtroom scene. Now, imagine for, just do this thought experiment with me for a moment. Imagine you're a defendant on trial, and someone takes a seat in the witness stand, someone you thought was a friend, you thought uh, that they valued your friendship, and this person sits in that chair, and they point at you, and they make accusations against you that aren't true, or they shade the truth in such a way that it misrepresents who you are or what you have done. That's 
That's what this text means when it talks about giving false testimony or bearing false witness. Now understand this, uh, you know, we live in a world with television shows like CSI, and uh, we live in a world with high-tech investigation techniques. But in the ancient world, when it came to issues of crime and justice, uh, basically everything hinged on the testimony of witnesses. Consequently, if a witness gave false testimony... Uh, it could have grave consequences. And this is one of the reasons when you read uh, throughout the Old Testament, not simply the Old Testament law, but when you read throughout the New Testament, there, there are multiple warnings against giving false testimony because the results could be disastrous. In fact, in, in the Old Testament, there are at least six different phrases that are used to describe a person who gives false testimony. And among other things, these phrases highlight the, really the themes of deception and dishonesty. For instance, let me show you this passage from Proverbs 12. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness, uh, someone who bears false witness, tells lies. So as you read these references in the Old Testament, there's a recognition that what's being communicated isn't true. It's deceptive. It's dishonest. But furthermore, in, in these texts, at times, there's also the recognition, it's not only that this is deceptive, it's this, this does damage to other people. And so certain passages really highlight the reality that giving false testimony, speaking dishonestly about another person, does damage. This comes from Leviticus 19. Now notice this, do not go about spreading slander among your people, do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. So here we see, uh, I think when it comes to the ninth commandment, what's prohibited, what's being talked about here, is really speech that is dishonest and damaging. When we talk about what, <laughs> what's being addressed here, it, it's, it, it is communication that is dishonest and it damages others. So that's the backdrop. That's really the backdrop, the original setting of this command. We're talking about things that are dishonest and, and damage other people. Now, um, now let's just kind of think about this in our own setting. Let's fast forward a bit and think about this in our own setting. Undoubtedly, <laughs> at some point growing up, right, you heard this kind of cliche, this famous statement, right, sticks and stones will break my bones but words can never hurt me at some point growing up you heard that statement also I think at some point growing up you came to realize that statement isn't true because there were times when you were hurt by the words of others right words that in some sense were dishonest dishonest but also words that that were damaging I mean, haven't, haven't you known, haven't you had this experience at some point in a heated conversation? Someone just looks at you and says things that are unhelpful. For instance, maybe, maybe they take one mistake that you made and they imply that this is something you always do. Maybe, uh, you know, there, there's, there was a situation, you blew it. You didn't handle it well. And they look at you and, you and they go, you know what? You always put yourself first. You never think of other people. 
and, and you stand there, you know, you're standing there as this person is going after you, and you're, you're kind of, you're, if you're honest, you said, you know what, he's, he's right or she's right. I, I did blow it this time. That really was selfish of me. But you're also standing there thinking, but I don't always do things that way. It's not as if this is always how I engage other people. So, in a sense, those, those words that have been leveled at you aren't true. They're dishonest. Furthermore, they're damaging. They're painful to hear. Uh, among other things, I think for those of us who are married, unfortunately, in, in some of our marriages, this type of communication, this kind of interaction is common. This kind of interaction that, that in the heat of the moment is dishonest and damaging. If, if this is, is part of your marriage relationship, oh, understand over time it will slowly eat away at the fabric of your marriage. So this is just one of the ways in which um, we're, we're communicating in a manner that violates the ninth commandment. Let me give an, just another example. What about gossip? Again, I think at some point, at some point you realize someone's been talking behind your back. And what they said wasn't true. Or maybe they were, it's, it's like they were, they were telling part of the truth, but they were shading it in a way that made them look good and you look bad. <laughs> For instance, many years ago, I remember in a different church context, having some conversations with one of the guys in church and he wanted to, you know, there, there were ways in which he wanted to get involved, ways in which he wanted to serve and volunteer. But, you know, as I got to know him, I realized there's some really glaring areas in his marriage and they needed to address them together. And, and it felt like in, in trying to focus his attention elsewhere and do other things, he was actually avoiding <laughs> the elephant in the room. He was actually avoiding these issues in his marriage. So I really, you know, I, I just had to have a heart-to-heart with him and, and explain, you know, before you invest yourself in these other areas, um, I think you need to start investing in your marriage. And before long, I found out he was telling other people, you know, uh, George doesn't want me to serve. George, George doesn't want me to volunteer. It's like that. That wasn't the whole truth. That wasn't the context. He was shading the truth in a dishonest way and really in a way that was both dishonest and damaging. Now, at some point, I think you've you probably have people do this to you. You've had people talk behind your back, shade the truth. They haven't told the full story. They haven't represented your actions accurately. Likewise, I think even as we think about, you know, people misrepresenting us, misrepresenting our desires and intentions, I think some of us know what it's like to be bullied online. We've experienced how nasty people can be in uh, interacting with each other in social media. And once again, we've heard, right, sticks and stones, blah, 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 but... But the reality is these situations are painful. They're dishonest and they're damaging. And this is the kind of communication, this is the kind of interaction that this commandment really is warning us against. And in talking about this, I think we also have to acknowledge that that even as we 
probably know those places where we've been victimized by this. I think most of us would acknowledge, if, if we're honest, there also have been times when we have gone on the attack. When we have kind of gotten into someone's face and really said things that were dishonest and damaging. Or, or when we've gone behind their back and in our anger we've met, misrepresented them. And, and what this commandment is doing, this commandment is, is putting up a guardrail and says, no, don't move in this direction. Don't move in this direction of speech or interaction or gossip that is, that's dishonest and that does damage to other people. Now, throughout the series, I've, uh, I've really encouraged you, as we've gone through this series, week by week, to, to think about rewriting these commandments just for yourself, to rewrite them in your own words. And, and in some sense, I think this week, I think, for me, the wisdom of this commandment is actually encapsulated in a proverb. Let me show you this. This is Proverbs twelve eighteen. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Interesting, the language used here can communicate the idea not simply of reckless words, but of gossip. And notice, notice this, this proverb is, is, is very clear that this, this kind of speech is not simply reckless, it's not simply dishonest, it's, it's damaging. I mean, I think all of, us, all of us have experienced those situations where the words of others, what has been said to us, what has been said about us to other people, has pierced like a sword. But then notice the, that's, that's really the guardrail, right? Don't, don't let this happen to you. But here's the guideline. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now, let me ask you this question. As you read this, and even as you maybe think about this as kind of a rewording of the ninth commandment and a rewording of the wisdom of this ninth commandment, ask yourself this question. Am I a person of healing words? Just kind of wrestle with that for a moment. Am I a person of healing words? Would, you, would your friends say that about you? Would your family say that about you? Would the people that work with you or know you well say that uh, about you? I mean, when other people think about you, would they say, you know, when, when you talk about people, when you talk to people, you really do look out for their best interests. Your, your words really are, are intended for their best interests. Your words are healing words. Those are, those are hard questions, right? Am I, am I a person of healing words? Because I think that's the, where the wisdom of this commandment is taking us. Now, if your answer is, you know what? Not really, George. Not all the time. At this point, I could, I could just challenge you. You know what? You, you need to change your behavior, right? I mean, the next time, <laughs> the next time you are really tempted to blow up at someone and really say some nasty things, things that really aren't truthful, things that are damaging. The next time you're tempted to do that, just don't. Or, or the next time you're in a, in a group setting and you're just tempted to go after someone who isn't there and just kind of 
you know, fillet them verbally to your friends or your coworkers. The next time you're tempted to gossip in that way, just just don't do it. You know, bite your tongue. Just just keep quiet. You need to change your behavior. I could challenge you to do that at this point, but interestingly, interestingly, I think in guiding us in embracing this wisdom and guiding us in embracing embracing the wisdom of the ninth commandment. The Bible does more than simply say, change your behavior. The Bible says, look at your heart. (laughs) The Bible says, you know, to really engage these situations well, you've got to go deeper than simply your behavior. You've got to look at your heart. A moment ago, I... uh, I read you part of a Leviticus 19, right, where, where the law was warning against damaging others through slander. But now I want to read you kind of the rest of that passage, continuing in Leviticus 19. Notice how it continues. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in their guilt. Now notice, remember, he's, the, the author's just talked about don't, you know, don't slander another person, right? Don't, don't violate the ninth commandment. And, but then it, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say just change your behavior. He says, no, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. And he says that so that you can then address this conflict in a healthy way, right? Don't, don't hate them in your heart. And, and when you learn not to do that, that's going to help position you in a way that you can actually rebuke them frankly. That is, have a conversation where you really get to the root of what's going on and seek to move forward in a healthy way. In other words, <laughs> here's, here's what this passage is getting at. Pay attention to what's going on on the inside so that you can interact with others well on the outside. <laughs> pay, pay attention to what's going on on the inside of your own heart so that you can interact well with others on the outside. And I think as you do that, you're embracing the wisdom of the ninth commandment that is challenging us to move against reckless words, words that are dishonest and damaged to words that are healing. Now, to help us make this uh, more practical, uh, there's one passage I want us to look at because I think this passage, this passage can really help you and me uh, embrace the wisdom of the ninth commandment in a very concrete way. And the passage that I'm talking about is actually found in the New Testament. This comes from James chapter 1. James, of course, is writing to this early group of followers of Christ, and James writes this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, let me ask you this. Do you you really want to embrace the wisdom of the ninth commandment? Do you want to be someone whose words aren't reckless and damaging and dishonest, but whose words are healing? 
whose words are really beneficial, whose words build into relationships, even in complicated situations. Do you want to, to be someone who really who follows the guidelines and the guardrails of this commandment? If that is the case, if you say yes, then among other things, this passage is telling us you, you need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. You need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now think about that for a moment. <laughs> Among other things, think about why does, why does James give us this advice? Why does he give this advice to these early followers of Jesus Christ? <laughs> well, I think part of the reason he gives this advice is he simply understands human nature. He understands our own brokenness, and he understands that for so many of us, Our natural tendency, right, is to do the opposite. Our natural tendency is uh, is to be quick to listen. Excuse me, our natural tendency is to be quick to speak and and slow to listen. Right? That's our natural tendency. Not to be quick to listen and slow to speak. It's to be quick to speak and slow to listen. But notice notice what happens here. Because I I think there's an implied logical flow in the argument of this passage. James writes, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, here's the point, I think, that underlies what James is saying. Here's an implication that's right underneath the text. The implication is this. If I'm not quick to listen and I'm not slow to speak, I will be more prone to become angry. In other words, if if I'm quick to speak and slow to listen, I'm more likely to unload on you when we have a disagreement. If I'm quick to speak and slow to listen, I'm more likely to, to talk negatively about you, to gossip about you behind your back. If I'm quick to speak and slow to listen, I am more likely to go after you on social media. If, if I'm quick to speak and slow to listen, I'm, I'm more likely to violate the wisdom of the ninth commandment. And, and notice what he says, and that's not the righteousness that God desires. When I do that, I'm, I'm stepping off the path. When I'm quick to speak and, and slow to listen, I'm, I'm blowing through the guardrail. So clearly, it's important that I be quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, this week, I was kind of, I was kind of reading how different commentators and pastors had wrestled with this text, and I was, I was really wrestling with the fact of, you know, I'm very familiar with these words, very familiar with the idea of, you know, be quick to listen, slow to speak. But I was really wrestling with, okay, so what does this look like? And, and even just personally, what is, okay, so, George, what does this look like in my life? Um, particularly in hard situations where there's conflict or disagreement. You know, those hard situations where it is so easy to blow up on other people or so easy just to complain about them to others in unhealthy ways. So what does this look like for me not to blow up, for me not to gossip with my words for me not to speak in ways that are dishonest and damaging. 
And as I realized that, even reading how other people had talked about it, listening to how other people had talked about it, uh, here's, here's a commitment that I realized I needed to make. And I'm sharing this with you because I, I really want to challenge you to make this commitment as well. And it's really, I think, a commitment that, that is an application of what's being talked about in this text. And it's a commitment that helps us live out the wisdom of the ninth commandment. So what is that commitment? Well, here it is. <laughs> I need to be curious toward others and self-critical towards myself. I need to be curious toward others and self-critical toward myself. Now, let, let me explain what I, I, I need to, I mean by that. Remember, James says you, you, need to, <laughs> you need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And it, it's almost like you need to, he's saying you need to slow down your natural response time. You, you need to slow down your instinct to react too quickly and thus react in anger. So you need to slow that process down. And I think part of the way we slow that process down is by being curious about others. And here's, here's what I mean by that. So... So we've had a disagreement. The question is, do, do I really understand where you're coming from? Am I curious? Okay, so you're looking at something differently than I am. Do I, do I really understand where you are coming from and why you've reached the position or why you did what you did? I, for instance, I, you know, recently I was in a conversation with someone about COVID stuff, and I'm sure you've, you've had lots of conversations, and you, you've probably had conversations with people that disagree with you on different elements, and that was the case in this conversation. You know, we're, there's one element of, of kind of responding to COVID we disagreed with. We had different views, but in the conversation, in the conversation, she told me part of her story, and when, when I heard part of her own life story, it, it was like, oh, this helps me understand. It helps me understand why you've reached your conclusions and why you've reached your position. When I heard part of her story, it just helped me understand where she was coming from. And had I not known that, I may have responded inappropriately. I may have responded in a way that just wasn't helpful. So particularly in hard situations, conflict situations, situations that bring you frustration because of the actions or statements of other people, situations where you really are prone to handle it inappropriately, be curious. Before you react, be curious about that other person. Be curious about the situation. In those hard situations, slow down. Be curious about the other person. Do, do I know where they're coming from? Do I, you know, do I know what's influencing their thinking? Do I have all the facts, all the information? I remember, uh, and some of you parents perhaps can relate to this, I remember, you know, as our sons were moving through their teenage years, we reached that point where they were driving, and they got their licenses, and of course that meant there was more independence on their part, and, and with that independence came certain conversations, you know, as they were going out and doing different things, okay, you need to, you know, what time are you, we had those conversations, what time are you going to be home, okay, and well, if you're going to run later than that, make sure you call, okay, dad, okay, dad, so we had all those conversations, and I remember one evening, had that conversation with my son, one of our sons, and he went out, and as it got later, we reached that point where he should have called because he wasn't home, and he didn't. 
and I got, <laughs> I got to be honest with you, uh, after that point, I kind of found myself just periodically, just watching the clock, watching the clock, you know, clocks in the kitchen, different parts of the house. I was watching the clock. And, and the later it got, the angrier I got. And I, if, if some of you, if you've been in this situation, and you know, the, the truth is, and it, the later it got, I start having this conversation in my head, right? This is what I'm going to tell him when he gets back. I'm going to talk about how you've been irresponsible. And, you know, I started just kind of rehe- that started the, that conversation just starts in an unhealthy way, rolling over and over in my mind. And I'm having that conversation with him. And, and to be honest with you, the later it got, the more direct that conversation in my head got and the angrier that conversation got. And finally, he arrived home. And I unloaded. It was a wonderful speech, <laughs> a powerful speech, a poignant speech. And yet the words, as it turned out, were reckless. Because you see, I hadn't been quick to listen and slow to speak. As it turned out, there were, there were extenuating circumstances beyond his control um, that had delayed him. Furthermore, his phone battery had died and he just didn't have the opportunity to call. Now, how different that conversation might have been if I were curious, right? What if instead of just unloading, I had I started the conversation by looking at him and going, hey, just help me understand what happened tonight. You know, we had, we talked about you calling, so uh, help me understand what happened. That, if, I had, if I had just engaged that with a curiosity to understand, okay, what happened, to understand it from his perspective, it would have been a totally different conversation. So be curious. Try to, try to understand this from the other person's perspective. Be curious. Don't make assumptions. I've got to be honest with you, you know, in, in my role here as, as, as pastor, one of the hardest things about the last two years, as we've had to make various decisions, you know, decisions in real time related to COVID, as we tried to engage cultural stuff, and all the decisions that we've had to make, I think one of the hardest parts for me personally, one of the most painful parts for me personally, has been the fact that, you know, at times when people have disagreed with decisions or the way we've handled things, they've just made assumptions about motivation. Assumptions about motivation that weren't true. Uh, assumptions about me that weren't true and our leaders that weren't true. And, and they've, they've made those assumptions without having a conversation to get more information. They weren't curious. And I think being curious about others is just part of the way we learn to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So, so be curious toward others. And not only do I need to be curious towards others, I really also need to be self-critical toward myself. I think that's part of the slowing down process, right? I, I try to understand the other person, but also I need, in the, in the midst of these hard situations, sometimes very emotionally charged situations, I just need to make sure I'm doing a gut check and, and really checking my own heart, you know, and, and, and just being willing to say, okay, I've gotten really mad at this person. It's so easy for me now to gossip about them, to complain about them to others, but what's going on on the inside? What's bothering me about this? What's making me angry? Why, 
why am I so prone or so drawn to the idea of just belittling this person in gossip or talking about them to other people? I, 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 I need to slow down and kind of just, okay, so what's going on <laughs> in my life? What's going on in the inside? What's being, what's being bothered? What is triggering this response? And in doing that, sometimes I will discover that there's just some unhealthy stuff inside of me. Maybe I do this, you know, because in gossiping, I just like the sense of power that comes with it. Maybe I do this because, you know what, if if I tell other people about your mistakes, then it makes me feel better about myself. If I tell other people, you know, for instance, about kind of the mistakes you're making as a parent, it, make, it just kind of makes me feel better about the mistakes that I have made. So I, I need to become self-critical. Maybe, uh, among other things, I realize that, that my anger, that frustration, is really just being driven by unrealistic expectations. At different times, I've just got to acknowledge as a dad, I've had to come to that realization. Really, sometimes that anger, that frustration as a dad has come because I just expected my sons to get everything right. I expected them to be mature as if there's no need for a growing process. Now, that wasn't true in my life, but now I'm putting that expectation on them, and it, it just kind of fuels anger. It fuels just a desire at times to blow up at them or just to complain about them. And, and so I need, I need to do a gut check. I need to be curious toward others and self-critical toward myself. So slow down. Be curious. Be self-critical. And I think when we do that, we then put ourselves in a better position to respond well to this situation. Again, realize Remember what James says here in James 1. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, right? I mean, it's like, okay, slow down. Make sure you're kind of understanding the situation. Slow down and and kind of do a gut check and kind of get rid of, uh, think through any maybe evil motivation that is working in you. And then you're ready to respond well. And, of course, the way he puts it is this. And humbly accept the word planted in you. And, of course, that's, I think this is a reference to the gospel, humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. It's a, it's a reference to the new work of Christ, a reference to the fact that we now, as followers, have this new identity. And so to accept that word in this situation is to say, okay, how does, how does my new identity shape how I need to respond to this situation? You know, I've, I, 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 I've chosen to slow down. Just to, I want to make sure I understand where they're coming from and just kind of examine myself to be self-critical. And if I'm willing to do that, take that breath and slow down to be quick to listen and slow to speak, now it puts me in a better position to say, okay, now what's, what's a healthy way to respond to this? And it, it puts me in a position to say, hey, okay, so how does, how does the good news of Christ and my identity in Christ, how, how might that shape my response? Maybe, for instance, it's realizing, you know, I found myself just complaining about these people all the time or complaining about something that this person is doing to others all the time. And so instead of doing that, how can I just have a conversation with them? You know, maybe, you know, it's a workplace environment and this person's always late or there are things they do that are irresponsible and other employees are always talking. It's just easy to complain and gripe. But maybe at some point, you know, how can I have a, a... 
a more positive conversation or how can I seek to have a constructive conversation with this person to say, you know what, I just want you to know sometimes we really feel an added weight because you're late to these meetings or sometimes we feel an added weight because, you know, you haven't really uh, taken ownership of this. So, it, you know, we just want you to be aware of that. So how can instead of just I uh, gossiping about this person or complaining about this person, how can I have that conversation? What might it look like? Instead of just blowing up at them, how could, how could we handle that situation differently? And you see that, I think we're, we're positioning ourselves to do that when we are quick to listen and slow to speak. And I think when we do that, it, we're, we're, kind of <laughs> we're taking steps along this path as followers of Christ taking steps where we can become people of healing words, not reckless words. People who live out the wisdom of the ninth commandment. With that in mind, would you, would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, um, I think all of us at times, we've, we've known the pain of, of, <laughs> of the kind of speech that this commandment is addressing. We've known the pain of gossip. We've known the pain of people saying things to us that really weren't the, the full picture of truth, things that were dishonest and things that were damaging. We've known that pain. But, Father, if we're honest, we also have to acknowledge sometimes we're, <laughs> we're the ones who are inflicting that pain on others. We're the ones who are kind of just talking behind them, behind their back. or We're the ones that are just kind of blowing up in unhealthy ways and just spewing damaging words, painful words. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to see this, this, this passage just really invites us to think differently about how we interact with other people and to other people. And Father, in embracing the wisdom of this passage, I pray that we would be challenged just to be, <laughs> to be quick to listen and slow to speak, that we would kind of slow down our reaction process so that we're curious towards others and we're self-critical towards ourselves. And Father, I pray that we would also understand that in doing that, we really are living out the wisdom of the Ten Commandments, the wisdom that that shapes how we can truly interact with one another well. May we embrace that even this week. In Jesus' name, amen. So I challenge you as we start a new week to embrace the wisdom of the Ninth Commandment. I challenge you to be a person who sets aside reckless words so that you can be a person of healing words. Amen.